Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. So for the second episode in a row, I am opening this with golf talk. After watching Tom Brady just absolutely uh, go master level memes with the Bryson DeChambeau Brooks Kepka thing. Uh, but unlike last episode, we have a golf expert here today to discuss. Evan, how's it going? I don't know if I saw the Tom Brady stuff, but I saw all the other stuff going on. Evan, Evan, <laughs> Evan. I didn't know Tom Brady. <laughs> oh, the freaking first thing I go. Uh, oh, my God. I can't. I can't. <laughs> this is, I this asked is you specifically about the Tom Brady tweets before we recorded. <laughs> and you said, save this conversation. Implying yeah, because I, haven't, <laughs> I hadn't seen the memes. <laughs> oh my god. Oh no, that's a lie. I saw these memes. I did oh not know they originated god. from Tom Brady. I'm out, I'm done, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Holy I can't figure out if this is my favorite or most hated opening we've ever had. <laughs> Dude. You have a job. You have to take steps with your feet every day. How do you handle that? <laughs> takes a sip of his beer. Well, I only have to walk to my office, so it's it's pretty, it works. Oh, yes, I did God. see all these memes, but they were posted by like I saw them on like Golf Digest and stuff like that, so it didn't oh, say who God. had sent them out, but now the whole story is making a lot more sense. They're really pumping this, uh, the next match or whatever is going on. Forget the next match. Is there a hockey rivalry of two people that hate each other more than DeChambeau and Kepka? <laughs> the, I, it couldn't happen. The only other person missing in this ingredient is Patrick Reed. But this is just... Isn't that the cheater? Is the, yeah, yeah. And yeah. everyone hates him. That was the first thing I taught Catherine when she got into golf was, we hate Patrick <laughs> Reed. Nothing else is tolerated. Um, <laughs> this is the best. I love golf. The gol- golf drama is so much better than other sports. Um, and it's two guys who, like, neither are better than one another, like, in terms of who they are as, like, the hero type, like... Bryson's annoying and says stupid things and Brooks pretends is just a hardo and pretends like he doesn't care about golf. So there's no like real good guy. It's the best. I love golf right now. It is so good. Not my game, but their game. This drama is so good. (laughs) The closest thing we have in hockey is, is Doughty and Kachuk. And like, it's good, but Doughty's mostly just coasting on his reputation right now while Kachuk's coming into his career slash in his prime-ish. It'd be great if we had two, I mean, we do have two Kachuks. It'd be great if like two Kachuk level players are going at it. Um, It's also, it's like the Ryan Reeves, Evander Kane, but not at that same talent level. They both obviously hate each other and they're not afraid to just talk smack in the media. I love, I love it. I wish there was more of it. And like Kepka and DeChambeau, they are in every major they are among the favorites so like an evander kane doesn't even get to the level relative to the sport that these guys do this would be like alex barkov beefing with like i don't know pick pick someone elias Pettersson. just basically take two of the top 10 or 15 players in the world in their respective sports and they're just talking shit about each other openly 
<laughs> like, and they just let the, I love about Brooks is he just lets it fly. He does not care at all. It's, it's beautiful. It really is. Oh, well, uh, the inverse Evan that we had last episode, this is probably the most passionate you've heard him. <laughs> I'll just mute my mic now for the rest of the episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you better this, not. Th- this was my plan I, to get Evan engaged is if I open every episode with golf, he's ready. He's amped up. The The heartbeat raises 10 beats per minute. He's into it. The it biggest take, The biggest takeaway I got from this opening was that Catherine deserves a medal and possibly a GoFundMe. So maybe we should address that in the future. <laughs> uh, we're sorry. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. I'm Ryan Hanna. <laughs> I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. Uh, you know, at this point, knowing that we go on camera twice a week, I just don't know what to do anymore. Like, I got on the bike and I, I did a little session on the bike and I look obviously looked like I was on the bike afterwards and I was like, I should go shower and clean up. And then I was like, what's the point? I have like three haircuts worth of hair on my head right now. Evan's dressed like, well, I did literally just get back back from golf and um, Crystal, I'm assuming, is very skilled with the scissors. So Brad has a haircut. So I'm just screwed regardless. So I said, forget it. So apologies to the YouTube viewers. Hey, uh, okay. this I did the same thing on Sunday. I literally got back from rollerblading with Mika for like an hour, two minutes before I hopped on here. So if I can make it work, you can make it work. This episode of the Winged Wheel podcast, we will be chatting about uh, the Red Wings and specifically what is going on with their uh, second first round pick uh, from Washington. Uh, We'll be doing a little bit of new, actually a lot of news from around the NHL in terms of a playoffs update. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a conversation to be had about Connor McDavid and and Edmonton. Uh, Some news about the future of hockey broadcasting. The great one headed to TNT, the new (laughs) <laughs> the new Chuck, they might say. Uh, and then we'll be doing, we'll be uh, re-entering our draft coverage. Uh, excitingly, or maybe not, uh, the first of our little mock drafts. Uh, but before that, a couple of housekeeping items. First of all, happy birthday, Mika. Five years old. Oh, my God. Yeah, five years old. Yep. She didn't exist when we started this podcast. And that, that makes me feel old in two ways. I For- still remember the... The video of when Brad gave Ryan the baby clothes and Ryan just complete mush brain was like, oh, that's really cute. Like, didn't get it at all. You should check that out on our YouTube because that is yeah. vintage material. And that's we weren't doing YouTube with any regularity at that point. And I stressed to Ryan we had to do that episode <laughs> on YouTube and he did not piece it together at all. Yeah, despite how I might pretend otherwise, my brain is incredibly smooth. Um, <laughs> I think about that moment a lot. Anytime I might get a little bit uh, on my high horse and think I'm a smart person, I remember how long it took that one to click. Yeah, this yep. podcast has been going for like s- almost six and a half years now, which means, yeah, Mika didn't exist for the first year and a half. Man. Man. Yep. And now she's five. I have a five-year-old that feels f- weird. She's still three in my mind. <laughs> have you seen her since she was three? Uh, oh, that's other, sad. Don't other than our that. pre-episode? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and then some other news. We just want to put a note in here. Uh, for those uh, who know, um, Wings for Breakfast is uh, wrapping up their show. And we just kind of want to put a shout out to our friends, Max and Prashanth. Uh, obviously, they've done an, an excellent show over there uh, with the Athletic Detroit 
you know, two great, great people and great fixtures of the Red Wings uh, hockey community. So uh, kudos to you guys for running a great show. Um, again, as we mentioned, uh, I don't know if you guys um, have listened to their episode, but we we did a little shout out to them and, and had a little interlude, so to speak. But uh, Prashanth, uh, congratulations to you and your wife. Um, uh, all the best on your upcoming baby. And uh, Max, obviously keep up the incredible work with the athletic Detroit. Um, and we really mean it when we uh, say you have an obligation to join us on this show. Um, especially as we get into mock drafts and stuff, you can't ex- escape that. So, um, hopefully we can wrangle you guys and do that. But again, all the best in the meantime, uh, if you guys want to support max, the subscription, uh, the subscription to the athletic is worth the price of admission for him alone. So go give him a read. Um, okay. And then finally, I just want to, of course, do our shout out for the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Uh, they are a children's foundation initiative that was established in memory of Jamie Daniels and founded by Jamie's father and Red Wings lead announcer Ken Daniels and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels Goldman. They strive to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. To learn more and support the Jamie Daniels Foundation, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. All right, guys, let's jump into... Uh, some Red Wings news here. So actually, right before we recorded, the Islanders closed out their series over the Penguins. Uh, Tristan Jari, I think, forgot to strap his pads on today. Terrible series from him. Kind of gutting if you're a Pens fan, because that's a that's the the most decent team they've had in a while, I think, in terms of being well-rounded. But the goaltending was just really, really poor for all but one game in that series. Yeah, sometimes why a team loses or the fashion they lose is a very complicated, nuanced conversation about the little intricate details of the game. And then other games, your goalie forgets what direction he's supposed to face when the other team's shooting. So, yeah, the Penguins had a great year, massively outperformed expectations. Like, look at all the rankings at the beginning of the year. Not many people, if any, had them winning the division. And that was the division of death, and they won it. Not that the Islanders are a true fourth seed. It was the division of death, but they get bounced by the Islanders again for the second time in three years. And, I mean, just to rub salt in the wounds, Marc-Andre Fleury is still in the running for Vesna, Conn Smythe, and Stanley Cup. So, it's while Matt Murray is struggling in Ottawa. Hockey is weird and unpredictable. So if anybody ever says they know what the hell is going on, we're all lying. Nobody knows anything. Yeah. So Detroit obviously owns Washington's first round pick this year from the uh, Verona Mantha trade. Thank you again, Stevie. Uh, We mentioned last episode that we'd go into a little bit more detail uh, as to where that pick might fall, uh, especially depending on playoff outcomes and standings because those both factor into how the draft order is selected. So this is from uh, the internet, uh, the layers upon which the draft order are decided. So in order, picks 1 to 16 first are the teams that didn't make the playoffs. Picks um, 17 to 24 up to 28 are the teams that made the playoffs but didn't uh, did not win either their division in the regular season or play in the conference finals. Then the next set of picks is the teams that won their division um, but did not play in the conference finals. 
Then the next set is the teams that lose in the conference finals. Then the next uh, pick is the team that lost in the Stanley Cup finals. And then obviously pick 32 is the team that won in the cup finals uh, or who won the Stanley Cup. It's very confusing. It's very convoluted. Um, It all depends on not just when you were eliminated, but your standing. So really, Washington could have been eliminated in the first two rounds and Detroit could have potentially had the same result. Um, credit to Beer League Chump uh, at Eiserman season on uh, Twitter. They did a great uh, summary. Uh, they, they put together a list. So Detroit's possible picks before this Islanders series wrapped up um, with Washington's pick, I should say, was anywhere from 22 to 26. So to get 22nd overall, four teams under Washington in the following standings need to make the conference finals. So these standings go, and and they are excluding Carolina, Colorado, Pittsburgh, and Toronto, the division winners. Vegas, Florida, Washington. And then all of these next teams underneath are the ones you should pay attention to. Tampa Bay, Minnesota, Boston, Edmonton, New York Islanders, Nashville, Winnipeg, St. Louis, Montreal. So if four of those teams make the conference finals, that means Detroit gets picked 22 this season. And one of them is guaranteed because Boston's playing the Islanders. Yeah. And that's fantastic news because that means Red Wings fans don't have to worry about cheering for Boston anymore. Yeah. Go Isles. Yeah. Drops the <laughs> hell out of them. And look, man, between, you know, if Tampa Bay wins. Which is likely. Winnipeg, who knows what they might do against Toronto. I don't know. Like, it's not extremely likely. Like, I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith in Montreal. St. Louis is obviously out. Um, Carolina has Nashville on the ropes. Edmonton's already out. Vegas has Minnesota on the ropes. Um, but still, y- you never know. Um, I think with the Islanders winning, their worst pick is now 24, factoring in Arizona there. Pretty sure. If I'm wrong, please correct me on that. Yeah. And right now, what would be the, from the Red Wings standpoint, the best case scenario, we get a final four of, that's at least somewhat realistic, uh, Islanders, Tampa, Winnipeg, and then honestly, I'm not going to hold out hope that anyone other than Colorado or Vegas is going to be there. So yeah. Yeah. So hopefully Toronto can eat it and then. You know, like I said, one of Boston or the Islanders is going. So that's already there. And I think while well, Tampa's up 2 nothing on Florida late in the second period right now. So by the time we're done recording this podcast, Tampa might have already moved on. Um, which, quite honestly, Tampa's going to be my favorite. I don't care who they play in the second round. Probably Carolina. I'll, I'll probably pick Tampa in that series. So, yeah, Florida, if they beat Florida, Florida's not a tough or Florida's not an easy play, right? So if yeah. you can get past Florida, I have a lot of faith in whatever team yeah. does that. Tampa's also over 12 mil over the cap. Carolina can't say that. Um, so <laughs> then the only... You you can't let that go, eh? I it's I don't begrudge Tampa for it. Let me make that clear. I Tampa is just exploiting a bad rule. And I, I'm okay with that from Tampa's standpoint. I can't believe the NHL made that a rule. Um, so basically, if you want to make this simple, if Tampa does win today and you can't bring yourself to root for Tampa... And you understand that Colorado and Vegas are going to do what they're going to do. We're basically all on the Winnipeg train. Like they're the ones who can who can really get us a surprise boost in the draft. That's that's our team. That's at least that's how I'm looking at it. Because I have 
faith that the evil empire that is Tampa will get there. Don't have to worry about Boston or the Islanders. Don't have to worry about Vegas or Colorado. Let's go Jets. Well, man, Nashville had Carolina up against the ropes last night, even in the another double OT. I was like, is Nashville really going to take the lead in this series? Yeah, well, Carolina has been by far the better team in that oh, series. Yeah. UC Soros has been the best player in the last three games have gone to overtime. So there's a reality where Carolina's won five games by now. So <laughs> yeah, C- Carolina is a really, really, really good team. And it sucks that they're going to probably run into Tampa or Florida. Well, they would run into Tampa or Florida in the next round. And that's you win the division and that's your path. <laughs> Why don't we uh, do a quick playoffs update here just so you guys know where we're at at the time of recording. Uh, Vegas is up 3-2 over the Wild. They're currently in the middle of the first period for game six right now. Um, Colorado has swept the Blues for nothing. Tampa is up 3-2 against the Panthers uh, in that series. Game six is currently in the second period, and the Lightning are leading 2-0. So by the time we're done this episode, Florida might be eliminated. Yep, um, just, thank, just said that. Thanks, Ryan. Yep, yeah, yeah. I was just, you know, trying not to listen <laughs> when you speak. Carolina's up 3-2 against uh, Nashville. Uh, Boston obviously beat the Capitals. They are out. That series was 4-1. The Islanders just cleared their series against uh, the Penguins 4-2. The Jets swept the Oilers, and we'll be chatting about that in a second. And then Toronto is up 3-1 against the Canadians. They don't play again until Thursday. So, Connor McDavid, Ken Holland, the Edmonton Oilers. That has been the buzz i know i've been talking for quite a bit here but i just feel like i should open because i made a criticism of ken holland earlier this year when he had his comment of we can't be all in every year essentially saying like there wasn't much to do this year and he didn't feel like his team was ready so he wasn't about to mortgage a ton of futures my Pretty simplistic criticism of that was you have the best player on the planet in his athletic prime and then someone else who is also one of the best players on the planet in their athletic prime, you go all in every year. Since then, in in paying more attention to the Oilers roster, I realized that that was probably a little short-sighted. Ironically, Ken Holland has inherited a situation where the previous GM had them in quite a gridlock and you couldn't do too much with that roster. So, yeah, I just wanted to, to to get that out of the way. But, yeah, Oilers, zero wins with one of the best single season performances of all time just wrapped up before with Connor McDavid. Also, Mike Smith had a hell of a season, too. So, you really did have – they did have lightning in a bottle. That's when you go all in. Like, I don't know what else you need. Like, do you need fireworks and a flashing red light? Like, <laughs> this isn't – for me, one of those black and white conversations that it turned into on Twitter today. Do I think the Oilers should go all in every year with McDavid and Dreisaitl? Yes. Absolutely yes. The Penguins did it and the Penguins were perennial contenders. Didn't work out every year, but they got three cups out of it. So it's hard to argue that mentality. Um, Where I argue the discourse on Twitter today is the Oilers did not make their mistakes at the trade deadline. I looked at their team at the trade deadline and I agreed with Ken Holland. This was not a team that was going to win the Stanley cup without adding Taylor Hall plus plus. Um, the mistakes happened preseason. They should have been way more aggressive going into the season because if you can add two or three pretty good pieces before the season, and then you're sitting there at the trade deadline, 
okay, now it makes sense to add. They didn't get to that point. The failure was ahead of time. Now, I understand Ken Holland was hamstrung by the cap and the roster he inherited. So I, I'm not going to fully blame that on Holland. This was, like Ryan said, a situation he inherited where he had very limited options. He had some options and I don't think he did enough with them, but really, truly, I'm splitting hairs there. So I'm not going to hold it against him. Um, then I watched his press conference today and now all the concern in the world would be coming out if I was an Oilers fan because he's already explicitly said he wants to re-sign Mike Smith, which is a terrible idea. Mike Smith had one good year in the last five and had a pretty bad playoffs. Um, and he's turning 39 or 40 next season. Don't know if that's where I want to put my chips when you're in the window of, like Ryan said, the, the best player on the face of the earth. Um, now, if they buy out Koskinen and bring in a support goalie or a number one goalie like uh, Merzlikin, Skrubauer, maybe roll the dice on a Drieger, that makes a little more sense. And he does have some cap space. But I heard a lot of talk about being like conservative, not trying to bring the core pieces back, which there are no core pieces to this team. I don't care what anybody says. The only core pieces on this team are Nurse, McDavid, and Dreisaitl. Anybody beyond that is expendable, and any talk of anything otherwise is insane. This is a team that needs a huge roster overhaul, and I think Ken Holland can still be a competent GM if he has a really good team and he's just steering them in the right direction. I think he's probably one of the worst GMs to be in the spot that he is right now because he is traditionally way too conservative, and this is a team that needs a shakeup. I, I agree with what you said, Brad, which is that they should have been more aggressive. It's a big ask, right? Like, how am I going to sit here and say, Ken Holland, you should have done the impossible? But that's what you have to do when you have the impossible, which is what Connor McDavid is. Like, for all the faults that Pittsburgh made along the way, they got one core thing right, which Brad mentioned, which is that they found a way to go all in around their best players. They didn't always ship out the right guys. They didn't always bring in the right guys, but they gave them just enough to do what they needed to do, which was get uh, get close enough where Crosby and Malkin were the difference makers. It's not like teams go decades slash a lot of teams haven't in their entire history have had like without having a, a player as good as Connor McDavid. He is not easy to come by. Do I know what the solution is here? Can I make a list of moves? If you gave me, you know, 48 straight hours without the need for sleep and, you know, all the co- coffee I could have in the world, could I pull together a list of moves that Ken Holland could have made as GM to make this team better for this season or next? No, probably not. Like, I I, th- I admit it's very tough, but you have to take a crack at it. Okay, not last season. Then this season. You're right, Brad. There has to be a huge roster overhaul. There is a ton of... Of, uh, there are a ton of contracts expiring. There are a ton of RFAs coming up, actually, for Edmonton. They have to find a way. They have to find a way to at least get a little bit closer. Become a round two, a round three team. You like you really need to just get close. It doesn't have to be perfect. You have so much leeway when you have those two players. Winnipeg is a good team, and I think they've played really well as a team. When I look at their roster construction, I don't see them as a team that should have been able to shut down Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle as easily as they did, unless you're playing with someone with such poor depth like Edmonton. And 
shit, what do they have to do? Call up Rutherford and ask him, hey, how did you build depth around Crosby and Malcolm? Like, I, I don't know. I don't fault Ken Holland, but I don't fault Edmonton fans for wanting way, way, way more because, you know, Connor McDavid's not going to stop aging just because it's bad timing and, and the, the roster is bad, right? Like, you need to find a way to make this work. Hire whatever genius you need to. Look around the league, see what the best hockey mind is that's like leading a department or only assistant GM. Offer him a, a, a senior role, a shit ton of money, and just make it work. And it's funny too because you want Edmonton to do well because they've suffered for a while. But at the same time, then you see a bunch of their fans online over the last couple of days blaming Connor McDavid, of all people, for the loss because – common sense is not common in this world apparently which leads me to a very interesting article i read uh today uh by dom over at the athletic um so Connor mcdavid best player in the world most dynamic player in the world cannot be stopped cannot be stopped unless you literally hog tie him and drag him to the ice every time he gets near the puck which coincidentally uh he had zero penalties drawn in these playoffs. Zero There's penalties no drawn against the Hawks in the playoffs last year. No You're way. telling me with that speed and that skill, every time the Jets stopped him, it was legal. I looked up from the sc- I looked up at the screen for one second. I was folding laundry late the night they went to the night they lost the series, and I looked up the at the screen and he got a brutal knee on knee against him. Like I'm pretty sure he went head over heels. No call. And he just like Connor McDavid gets up because he knows he's not getting the call at this point. Look, I love playoff hockey. I think playoff hockey is perfect. I I think it's the best thing in sports by far. But and I'm okay to a degree. Like I I can let the hockey man out in me a little bit, and I'm okay to to a degree with letting the game be a little bit more rough and tumble, and really making players grind for it. But there's just no excuse for putting away your whistle just because Connor mcdavid is good like it, it it's bullshit it's not why they lost the series edmonton deserved to lose the series don't get me wrong but did here's my argument though did they yeah three games went to overtime if edmonton gets with their how lethal their power play is if they get two to three extra power plays that they rightfully should have had every game do any of those games we could be sitting here right now with the others up three one very easily now don't get me wrong they still lack depth they still would have got wiped by toronto in the next round full confidence in that but i don't think it's that cut and dry and i hate this narrative of playoff hockey i hate it i hate it i hate it when it comes to the refing because i'm with you in the sense that I love the intensity of playoffs. I love I love the rough stuff. I love the pushing, the shoving, the scrums, the shit talk after the whistles. Love it, love it. It's This is playoff hockey. Whether or not you call penalties, it's not going to lose its intensity. I'm not saying to every time there's a scrum in the crease and, you know, pull player Darnell Nurse punches Mark Shifley in the face or gives him a face wash to call it. No, that doesn't impact the game. If you want to let that shit go in the playoffs to keep the intensity up fine you're already not calling it a knee on knee trip in the neutral zone hooking a guy on a half breakaway tripping a guy when he's in a scoring area 
how does that help or negate the intensity? You're taking away offense. You are lessening the intensity. So I get what people say when they lo- want to keep the intensity up in playoff hockey, but not calling the rule book doesn't help. It's a stupid argument. You want intensity, which means you want fighting, you want rough play, and you want goals. Well, you can have both if you call the rule book and just kind of go easy on the after the whistle stuff. There's the perfect solution. Everybody's happy. And then guess what? The teams, bigger picture, what do we all want throughout the entire NHL season? What has every fan and the NHL themselves been complaining about for years? We need more offense. Well, if the skilled teams get to play a skill game in the playoffs, means they're going to win more. Means more teams are going to build their team that way, which means more offense because we get less goons, less grinders, and we get better hockey. What we all wanted. We talk about how Jeff Blashill is building a team for the playoffs when they get there because of how stingy they are defensively. Translation, they're not going to score. So they're just going to hook, haul, and shut down whoever the hell they do play. Not a Brad strategy. If they keep calling it the way it is, it's probably going to work. Did you just uh, say not a Brad strategy? <laughs> not a bleh, Brad, bad, bad strategy. Those are synonymous words. You're so right. yes, you said Fair, bad. yeah. Let the record show. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's, I hate it. I hate it so much. And again, I old hockey men argument and it's nonsense. Evan, yes or no? The uh, non-calls on Connor McDavid made a difference in the result of the series. Nope. You got to find a way to win in the playoffs. Plain and yep. simple. I knew Evan would have a great take here. Evan is old hockey man. He's yeah, always he really- good oh, at the counterpoint. I love the physical play and... Teams you physically listen impl- to a word I just said. Oh, you know I didn't. I, f- <laughs> you know I didn't. Listen, the, I, the refs yeah. and their performance is one thing. Imposing your physical dominance on an, on a team and a way to win is another. Yeah, I don't think the refing has been great. Basically, from the startup of the bubble last year. It's it's been terrible. They need to do a total look into what's going on and and come up with some solution. But I'm not going to be losing sleep and crying over the Edmonton Oilers losing their series because Connor McDavid didn't get penalties called against them. It it happens. It's happened throughout all playoffs and all time in all sports. I'm... Boo-hoo. And you know who <laughs> loses? All of us because none of us get to watch the most exciting player in the world anymore. And whether or not he, they would have won or not, I it's it, it, there's an argument for it. There's an argument against it. I don't have a ton of faith in Edmonton as a team. Um, but it's like, I'm not saying take the physical out. Hit, run guys, clean hits all day. Scrums in the corner, scrums after the whistle. A thousand percent here for it. If Connor McDavid gets tripped on a breakaway, need in the neutral zone, hooked coming off the half wall for a chance, call it. You're literally negating a scoring chance. You're making the game less exciting. Like, nonsense argument. Keep the physical, but call the fucking hooks and trips. Um, Very quickly to wrap up the point. There is apparently a conversation on radio. Pierre McGuire was involved in it, believe it or not. <clears throat> um, Talking about how Connor McDavid needs his... Scotty Bowman, Steve Eisman moment where Scotty Bowman talked talk to Steve Eisman about 
you know, becoming a full 200 foot player and Eisman became a lot more defensively accountable because, you know, Eisman was the best offensive producer, not named uh, Gretzky or Lemieux at the time. And then soon after Detroit started winning cups. And it's like, you know what? There is a lot to be said about Eisman's 200 foot game. But Red Wings fans will tell you, having prime Fedorov, one of the best two-way players of all time, prime Lidstrom, one of the best defensemen of all time, the best defenseman in the modern era, bar none, is going to make your job a lot easier. Not only that, Eisenman had already done a lot of work before the Cubs started coming in for defensive accountability. Not only that, Connor McDavid has had that conversation and he initiated himself this previous offseason and worked with Tippett and worked with the team and worked with his medical and his training staff and it had way better defensive outcomes this year. So holy shit, do people just say stuff because it sounds good? This is the this is like the 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 equivalent to boomers saying Millennials can't buy houses because they eat too much avocado toast. Oh my god, exactly that. It is exactly that. It's just so I, out of touch. I hate this sport. I hate this sport so much. With everybody talks about you go anywhere on Twitter and hockey fans are desperately in the comments, please like my sport, please like my sport. Yet we do everything in our power to make our sport less exciting. Yes, let's take Connor McDavid, arguably the most exciting player in NHL history, and calm him down. Let's have him back check a little bit. I'd say Tom Wilson is actually the most entertaining player in NHL history. (laughs) From a conversation standpoint, you might not be wrong. But I'm going to ignore the fact that Connor McDavid's defensive metrics are really good. And they're night and day better than they were last year. I'm going to ignore that because I don't even care that he did improve his defense. How? Why are we against marketing our stars? It's what the NBA does. It's what the NFL do. They're the most popular sports in the planet outside of soccer. But, you know, well, I'll say in North America. We want everybody to a man complains there's not enough offense. But we always are trying to find new ways to limit offense. Let's have the stars play more defense. Let's call less penalties. So there's less offense in the playoffs. Let's review every micro inch of an offside or goalie interference. So we can take goals off the board. This is the dumbest sport in the world. I hate it. I love it. I I hate how much I love hockey and hockey is my life because I feel like I'm always fighting this uphill battle. And the problem is there are people out there who will present you both sides of the argument and argue against themselves and you're just stuck in the middle. There's not enough goals in the NHL. Well, maybe they should call more penalties. Oh, you can't let the game get too soft. Okay, well, then maybe we should let just let Connor McDavid loose. No, that guy's got to learn to play defense. Okay, but how do you want more goals? The NHL has to figure it out. It's, I hate it. I hate it. Like, I'm sorry, like this... All This conversation always really strikes a nerve with me because I really just want this sport to be as entertaining as possible. So can we please, please let it be as entertaining as it possibly can be is all I'm asking. Well, great segue. Uh, TNT, Turner Sports, has picked up none other than the great one for their lead NHL analyst, Wayne Gretzky, leaving his post with the Edmonton Oilers, joining TNT. 
I think it's so funny because we talked about TNT for bringing in hopefully big personalities like they do with Shaq and Chuck Marley. <laughs> and uh, I'm just picturing a Shaq and a Fool segment, but with Wayne Gretzky. I think uh, Joseph's suggestion was Wayne Regretzky's, which I think was really clever. Yeah. Yay or nay? That's all I want to know. You know what? Yay. Good for him. As long as Yay. he doesn't come out there and do like he he's doing an interview at a charity event, which we all know how that goes with hockey guys. Like as long as he puts some effort into it and they encourage him to spice it up a little bit. I'm not expecting him to go out there and talk shit like, you know, Barkley and Shaq do, but make it a little fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's the great one. That's going to make people watch the greatest player of all time as an analyst. That'll make people watch. I'll say yay because I'm genuinely genuinely interested in what Wayne Gretzky has to say. He's arguably the smartest hockey mind of all time. So I I am very interested in everything he has to say. And he doesn't talk often in the media, but when he does, it's usually very poignant and accurate. Um, I have a big but here. Personality-wise, I think we all know Wayne isn't known for his uh, outgoingness. If they can surround him with guys like Kevin BX, uh, PK Subban, Ryan Kessler, not necessarily those guys specifically, but guys like that who aren't afraid to share an opinion, they, they have comedic value to them. They'll say whatever the hell is on their mind, good or bad. And they, and they help kind of open Gretzky up. I'm all for it because, like I said, NBA on TNT might be the best sports panel that any on the planet because it is just so goddamn fun. No matter how bad a lot of the opinions that come out of that panel are. Um, all I want from the new TV deals is to not be the same or same old boring bullshit. I don't need to hear the same 50 something year old hockey guys who played in the eighties and nineties talking about why defense and faceoffs are important. I just, I, I can't handle that anymore. I'm not saying there's not a place for that. There is still absolutely a place and a need for good quality analysis, but it can't be just that. Again, getting back to growing the game. Who is the, I don't understand why the NHL always markets to forties and 40 year old pluses. The future of your league is the young kids, the, Teenagers, the 20-year-olds, the 30-year-olds, they're going to be watching your sport for the next 50 years. You might want to grab their attention now. And that's what the NBA does so damn well. There's a good chunk of the market that's never watched Wayne Gretzky play hockey. They know the name and it's great and they're going to take him seriously. But to them, Wayne Gretzky's a name in the record books and some highlights on YouTube. They need the younger demographic to appeal to them now and at least, you know, kind of What's the word I'm looking for? Build that bridge, that generational gap, which is something no hockey broadcast has done yet. Sorry, the millennials are too busy with their avocado toast and the younger generation are too busy dabbing and yeeting <laughs> on TikTok. <laughs> oh, no. You know, a suggestion I saw, oh, I want to say it was Mike J. Asty on Twitter. I might have that wrong, but someone suggested Chris Chelios and I was like, that would actually be a really good fit. Yeah. Chelios has yeah. a lot of personality. He's a big personality. He yeah. would be a prime candidate to get in there. You know who's been great uh, working for Sportsnet? Kevin Bieksa. I brought him up. He has so much fun 
on their panels, putting dumb pictures in the background of every one of his, uh, every time he's on camera just to get reactions out of people ripping the hell out of, you know, Friedman and whoever the hell else is on the panel that day. And people love it. It's great. Like, obviously, I don't want Bieksa to leave Sportsnet because I enjoy watching Bieksa, but guys like him are exactly who ESPN and TNT should be targeting. Yeah, if it wasn't for Kevin Bieksa, I think the intermissions for Sportsnet and CBC would be on permanent mute for me. It's no offense to the people. It's just the way that they've sort of structured and programmed those intermissions. It's just I just don't find any interest in it at all. Uh, you other people put it on mute because all they need to do is look at Patrick Sharp's face and they're they're pretty satisfied with the commentary. So <laughs> that's all. Yeah. Um, I'm sure plenty more news is to come on that. Uh, let's get into some draft talk here. It's been a while since we've done a prospect profile and we're not necessarily going to do one this episode, but we are. what we are going to do is our first tankathon of this season. We're going to do 16 mini prospect profiles. Yeah, we're going to do a tankathon and then a mock draft for the non-playoff teams dibs picking for Arizona. Um, <laughs> it's going to be very off the cuff. Please know that. Is it ever? (laughs) (laughs) Speak for yourselves. The amount of information that everyone's working with this year is not as much as we'd like to have at this point, but we have to give the people what they want. Slash Brad really pushed for it. Brad pushed for all 30 today and we had to talk him down. So, all right. I have tanks on open. If you wanted more, uh, blame them. If you wanted less, I'm sorry. The lottery odds, as is, in order of most likely to least likely likely to win, uh, Buffalo, Anaheim, Seattle, New Jersey, Columbus, Detroit with the six best odds, San Jose, LA, Vancouver, Ottawa, Arizona, who's going to forfeit their pick, Chicago, Calgary, Philly, Dallas, and New York. All right. Three, two, and Detroit moves down one spot to seventh, Vancouver, Wins first pick. Columbus wins second pick, followed by Buffalo, Anaheim, Seattle, New Jersey, Detroit, San Jose, LA, and so on. We just had to win that last game, uh, get three points in those final two games, huh? <laughs> Actually, Vancouver, uh, uh, Det- we like, would have dropped below Detroit. Yeah, perfect. But we would have had Columbus. Oh, Columbus's that's right, spot. That's right. That's right. We would have yeah, had man. Columbus's spot. Okay. So who's oh, picking God. first? Are we happier if we pick sixth or seventh? Seventh is objectively worse, but I don't know if I could do sixth again. Like the prophecy is just self fulfilling at that point. I want I want sixth because I think that's really funny. <laughs> I think that's hysterical. Um, okay, <sighs> who's picking first? Evan, you get to pick first. Yep, all Who the pressures the, on. Want it again? Vancouver. Ah, Let me just go over <laughs> to Cap Friendly real quick. See who they got in the old pipeline. This is going to be a 16 pick. That's going to go 45 minutes. I'm sorry in advance, everybody. So Shut up, we'll go. Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Brad. It'll sorry, go. I was, uh, I, was too, I was too busy going shooting nine over on nine holes to, to research. That Yikes. feels good if that were me. Anyways. Um, yeah, before uh, every pick, let's all say for Evan, let's see who's left. <laughs> Um, we'll go Evan and then me and then you Brad just to give you the more difficult picks here sure I couldn't be any less prepared for this by the way as you can let's see who's left Evan everybody 
Oh, they are going to go with, hmm, I'm going to say they are going to take Owen Power. It's a solid pick. Yep. That is, that is gut feel. You know, I didn't even look at who their defensive prospects were. I don't <laughs> think you can go wrong with taking him first overall, no. to be honest. Vancouver picking first overall is the type of chaos that is good for content because they suck everywhere. Brad, oh, I, I'm actually picking for Columbus. Uh, they are picking second overall, and they are going to take from the University of Michigan, Matthew Beneers. Ah, uh, the safe picks one and two. Hey, can I you tell me who I I'm picking really... after I t- make my pick so that I can, you know, put yeah, together yeah, some semblance of a real thought? You're picking for Anaheim fourth. Oh, thank God. Yeah. All right. Brad oh, for, Buffalo for Buffalo third. here. Yeah. Well, Buffalo, again, sucks everywhere. Don't have a lot going on. God knows what's going on with Jack Eichel because they might be losing a lot of offense this summer. Um, despite it being a defense-heavy draft. Um, God, it's so hard to not know with the with not knowing what's happening with Eichel right now. I am just going to go with, in my opinion, best player available here. Kent Johnson, University of Michigan. Okay. They need creativity. They need offense. Kent Johnson is a little riskier, but one of the highest ceilings of anybody in this draft. So Buffalo needs some luck. All right, Evan, for um, Anaheim, you are picking fourth overall. Um. They're going to take Brant Clark, even though they just drafted Jamie Drysdale. I think that's a that would be a sick combo on the back end. Yeah, I was you're... really debating him for Buffalo. Well, yeah, if you that's... had taken him, then I was really screwed for this pick. <laughs> <laughs> that's a filthy blue line you're building up there. Um, um, who do I have? Oh, you, you, you shared it. Yeah. Seattle Kraken. See, this is a difficult one. I'm I'm tempted to go... This is the easiest one. They have nothing. Well, no, I'm tempted to go defense here, but, you know, your brand new team, it's not to say a defenseman can't be the, the face of your franchise, but you almost want to bring in a forward. Do you go with Eklund? Uh, this, this is the simplest best player available in the history of the draft. You think this is best player available? It's They, they have nothing. You have yeah. a blank canvas. Take whoever you think is the best player. All right, I'll go with uh, Dylan Genther. No! No! <laughs> no! Why? Uh, Why, God? So, Why? So if the board plays out like this on draft day, right now I'd be really sweating it out um, because as time goes on, there's certain players I like for Detroit uh, in certain circumstances, and I'm picking for New Jersey right here and i'm taking the last guy that i would really want to fall to detroit yes so this this is like damn near a worst case scenario in my mind uh so at sixth overall the new jersey devils in my mind are going a very easy best player available here and taking william eckland okay alex holt's teammate in jurgarden too so instant chemistry oh that's actually a really good point i hadn't thought of that they oh wow that would really play with them 
I thought you were going to go Luke Hughes there, honestly. I'm not upset if Luke Hughes falls to Detroit at seven. No, that is that is far from a tragedy, but on my list right now, I have Luke Hughes at seven. So it's literally, you always hope one guy on your list falls. So in my in this scenario, my top six went in the top six, which is disappointing. All right, Evan, you are Steve Eisman drafting for the Detroit Red Wings. Listen, I can't sell myself on anyone available at this point in time because you just took who I wanted. Um, I don't know if this is crazy or not, but I do really like this guy's game. Uh, Fabian Lysel. Is that crazy? Is that crazy? No, no that's a great I've, pick, actually. I've got him at eight. That's perfectly reasonable. I was thinking either him or... Um, Edvidson, has he been taken yet? Nope. No, he hasn't been taken. That was the two I was sort of debating between. Uh, Not even a thought to Hughes, eh? I just, yeah, the Red Wings do need a lot of help on D, but I just feel like Fords are still so much more impactful. You're not wrong. I'm going to go with Luke Hughes for San Jose at eighth overall. Um, Simon Edvidson is very close there, um, but I, I, I do appreciate Luke Hughes' game. Michigan commit. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Luke Hughes. Uh, Brad, ninth overall for the LA Kings. Interesting. Really interesting because I really like LA's farm system. I don't think they have a lot of weaknesses. So, I think this is another team where you just go straight up best player available on your list, even if it's a tie positionally because it doesn't matter. So, I'm just going to go... With the ninth best player on my board. And the LA Kings are going to take from the Peterborough Pete Mason McTavish. Why do we even do these drafts? <laughs> why, why do I even bother? Why do I, I? I'm not going to look now because there's no point. Because I was like, oh, I'm going to take Mason McTavish for Ottawa. We'll be good. Uh, <laughs> 10th overall for Ottawa. Evan, who are you taking? <laughs> oh. If I talk really slowly, I might be able to figure it out. I had someone. <laughs> um, McTavish. Yeah, it was Mace McTavish. Where did he go? I hear Bowen Byram's available. <laughs> no, it was Anton Lindell. I'll have you know. Um, oh, what a callback. Yeah, there's going to be like three people listening who go, that, that was a quality joke. I wonder when Evan's going to be very confused. Just keep talking. Just keep I wonder talking. when Evan's going to try to make his first repeat pick, actually. He's done it every year. I'm going through right now. <laughs> <laughs> Evan, a couple do you want, guys I'm not sure. Um, want an update? Yes, please, actually. Uh, in order, Power, Beneers, Johnson, Clark, Genther, Eklund, Lysel, Hughes, McTavish. No, that didn't help. Um... <laughs> I don't clock. know if this is a crazy pick for Ottawa, but they're going to take Francesco Pinelli. Ooh, that's I'm a probably reach, just a hometown, and I really like Pinelli. I'm I'm probably just a hometown homer. Hey, go with what you know when everything's weird. Uh, for Arizona, they get a big old fart sound for cheating, and they forfeited their first round pick. So that's the easiest pick I'll ever make. Eleventh overall, Arizona gets absolutely nobody. Twelfth uh, <laughs> overall, Brad for Chicago. Chicago. Well, I I know I this is already going to happen. So I'm not going to not looking. 
<laughs> this is a, a perfect meld of team's biggest need meets obvious best player available. So the Chicago Blackhawks will be doing backflips if they're sitting there at 12 and they still see Simon Edvinson there. Oh, perfect. So, this isn't this is all working out. Simon Edvinson for the Hawks. Amazing. All right, Evan. Good. So Evan's next pick will be quick. Um, 13 for the Calgary. Shut here. the hell up. Make Evan, your buddy. goddamn pick. I got my pick. Pick, pick is in. in. It's Calgary, right? Yep. They're taking Oh God, has he been picked? I wasn't listening. Uh, Just, they're taking Jesper Wallstadt. No, yeah, that's good. Yes, yes. Yeah, you're safe. And he can sit for five years while Markstrom's contract rides out. Be perfect for Philly. Uh, I'm tempted to go with. I'm tempted to go with Carson Lambos here, but I'm going to say do- the. I'm going to say they're going to take Cole Sillinger out of Medicine Hat instead. That's a, that's a good pick. I can't argue that. Cole Sillinger, you 14th say Ryan's overall. Story? Cole Sillinger for Philly, 14th overall. Dallas, 15th, Brad. All right. Team that struggles to score goals. And my next seven best are all forwards. So... I'll just go at the top of that list. Dallas is a good team who had a really unlucky year. So if there's any team that can really gamble on a guy that didn't play a lot of games this year, but his upside is insane. This is perfect for Dallas. So they are going to take from the USNTDP, Chaz Lucius. Mm, I knew you'd be a, be the one to take Chaz Lucius. All right. It is gross with a capital G. The Rangers, Evan, with our last pick of this mock draft. Luke Hughes is taken, right? Luke Hughes is absolutely taken. I was trying to build a little Hughes, Hughes, New York, New Jersey thing. Um, they are going to take Aturati. Aturatu to the New York Rangers. You know what? That would actually have a huge potential to be a boom pick for them just because Ratu fell down the draft board this year, but who knows? That could be lightning in a bottle at 16th overall. He's like this year's Valeno, I guess, or yeah. something yeah. like that. Yeah, I have him outside of my top 25 right now. Wow, okay. Well, rain on his parade, Brad. We, uh, you, guys, you guys left three of my top 16 on the board, so better than I thought, so kudos. Joke's That's on not you, bad. I didn't read those. <laughs> yeah, I know you didn't. Joke's and on actually, you, no, I can't that, read. I gave you the amalgamated rankings. I have my own rankings separate. So, first mini mock draft in order. Vancouver, first overall, Owen Power. Uh, Matthew Beneers to Columbus, second overall. Buffalo, third, Kent Johnson. Fourth, Anaheim will take Brant Clark. Fifth, Seattle takes Dylan Genther. Sixth, New Jersey takes William Eklund. Seventh, uh, Detroit Red Wings take Fabian Lysel. Eighth, the San Jose Sharks take Luke Hughes. Ninth, uh, LA Kings take Mason McTavish. 10th, Ottawa takes Francesco Pinelli. 11th, Arizona. 12th, Chicago takes Simon Edmondson. Shut up, Brad. <laughs> I can't wait till he goes in the top 10. 13. Thir- I'm going to be sending you the Brooks Kepka meme. My God, Evan doesn't know what I'm laughing at there. <laughs> he was laughing at my fart noise, Evan. Oh, that was you. I thought Brad made that noise. No. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yes, Wallstead is his name actually, Brad, and he goes to Calgary 13th. 14th is Cole Sillinger to uh, 
the Philadelphia Flyers, fifteenth uh, to Dallas, Chaz Lucius, and sixteenth to the New York Rangers at two rat two. There'd be a fist fight this episode if we were in person. Yeah, good chance. Just and just for the listeners to have something to think over the three players I had in my top sixteen that Ryan and Evan left on the board were Logan Stankovin, Sasha Pastajov, and Nikita Shiprikov. I had Stankovin. All, all passed over. I was flirting on Stankovin a few times. Yeah. yeah. I think he's sick. He's gross. If uh, Lucius was gone for Dallas's pick, Stankovin was going to be the pick there for me. All right. I think it's high time we jump into uh, overtime here. Midweek episode, that means it's brought to you by our Winged Wheel podcast Patreon supporters uh, exclusively. They're the reason this show goes on. They're the reason we're able to do these stupid little mock drafts like we do. So thank you guys so much. Uh, and there be- will be many more before the draft. There will be many more. Consider That's becoming a Winged Wheel podcast Patreon supporter. Uh, Winged Wheel Podcast or Patreon.com slash Winged Wheel Podcast. Uh, Joe Valeno's eyebrows says, good day, guys. Just when you thought I disappeared forever, I'm here again. McDavid is back on the golf course and Crosby is one game away from joining him. Actually has joined him. Given Washington's el- elimination, who are your main candidates to be taken with their first round draft pick? I'd love for it to be Svechkov, uh, Kapanen, Doc, and Stiern, Stern, Stiernborg are my dark horse picks for any picks, including 52 and up. Cheers and great work as always. All right, all right Ryan, I'll, I'll just do this. Give me whatever number you think the Red Wings are going to pick at, and I'm just going to pick the player that I have on that spot on my list. 24. Carson Lambos. That'd be fantastic. Oh my God, I'd be thrilled with Carson Lambos. 24th we were talking about him with the top like one of the top picks this year earlier on. i'm actually flirting with dropping him i don't think he'll actually end up at 24 when i finalize it you know how Man, i like a sinking he had a rough year in a heart condition was it a heart condition but yeah it's a mm, lot of question marks there but still a first round late first round to be this is a great comment from Josh Brink. Weird stat time. There have been 72 players in the NHL with the first name of Ryan who have scored a total of 9,169 nice points for a points per Ryan of 127.34. The highest scoring Ryan was Ryan Getzlaff with 982 points. There have been 48 players in the NHL with the first name of Brad who have scored a total of 6,479 points for a points per Brad of 134.97. The highest scoring Brad was Brad Richards with 932 points. There have been five players in the NHL with the first name of Evan who have scored a total of 92 points for a points per Evan of 18.4. The highest scoring of Evan was Evan Rodriguez with 86 points. I hope this doesn't cause any strife with you guys. Evan's not an uncommon name. How were there only five? Get absolutely and totally fucked, Evan. You I scrub. wasn't doing my part. <laughs> so if I heard part. that... If I heard that right, the Brads had the highest points per? Yeah, you had the highest points per. Your points per Brad was highest, but I did have the highest raw total with Ryan Getzlaff. I just That's hope fine I don't have his- Quality over quantity. All I needed. Thank you. Great comment. I just hope I don't have his hairline. That's that's all I worry about. <laughs> what hairline? <laughs> <laughs> Looks like the infinity symbol. Uh <laughs> And I'm Devin, says uh, the car company, not the actual. Anyways, and I'm Devin, says this is probably a Brad question. I'm interested in playing hockey. I've literally never played before, and the only equipment I own is an $80 pair of skates. I'm curious what a reasonable amount is I should expect to spend on gear. Don't need top of the line. I don't want to be unprotected. Do you have a ballpark of what I should be prepared to spend? 
you can get a pretty decent head to toe setup for under 500 bucks. Uh, the nice thing with the new companies and the new equipment is even the low end stuff still pretty good. Um, it's not super heavy. You lose a little bit on the protection, but if you're just playing like a shinny or a low level beer league, it's all you need. Truthfully, the only two things I always tell people not to cheap out on, and this might actually suck, uh, given what you've already said is skates and helmet. If you have a poor fitting helmet and poor fitting skates, you're going to have a bad time. So those are the two things you want to make sure are absolutely perfect and everything else. Yeah. Cheap and whatever your preference is, you'll be fine. Um, English major says, sup guys. I was curious about what you think about massively front loading a contract. Uh, isn't the limit like 20% of the cap, let's say next year. Okay. So, um, you can front load a contract, but all that does is save your actual expenditure in terms of real dollars. It doesn't change the cap hit. The cap hit is the average of the contract over. So it doesn't actually um, affect your team structure. And Unless- I don't remember the exact percentages, but you're only allowed to vary a certain percentage year to year. So you can't front load like 20 million first year, one mil last year anymore. There are things you can do to make it easier to buy out a contract or move it later on. And and you can affect your team structure that way technically, but that's getting a little more nuanced. Uh, Getting dusted by five-year-olds on skates says, Brad, uh, I've got some friends who are wanting to do roller hockey. And since I can't skate, I've elected to be goalie. Where's the best place in the States online-wise to get gear? Can't really go to a store and get some for I'm surrounded by corn. Damn Illinois. It's like Ohio, but a little bit better. (laughs) Oh, man. I don't know a damn thing about the states in terms of who their big retailers are um dicks you maybe oh maybe that was a um, statement that was a question s- send me a dm uh on twitter um as a reminder and i'll i'll dig around for you because off the top of my head i don't have an answer for you but i don't want to leave you hanging um something normal for once says so i invested into some- oh my f- god so I insist, in, invested into some cum rocket and ask crypto. I think those are both crypto coins. Evan's laughing, so that's definitely true. You need to check out their ticker name. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what? I'm not saying no, it again. You got to look it up. Yeah. Also, what's the best name you've ever seen in a sports game? Oh, definitely um, the fake Japanese baseball player names. We'll keep going back Bob's to that. Bob's <laughs> <laughs> Just found Jesus Burns last night and I'm dead. Uh, Ken Holland says, I don't think that you can be all in every year. I think you pick and choose. Thank you, Ken, for contributing. And um, <laughs> that's all I have to say to you for now. Peter Sioth uh, or Kioth, I'm sorry, Peter, if I'm saying this wrong. Uh, given that the team has a good shot of continuing to progress upward next year with better health, arrival of Cider and others, etc., possibly the new assistant coach, uh, is it time to accept that right Bedard uh at all will most likely not be red wings with the next good slash contending red wings team most closely resembling the late 2010s blues succeeding though having a really good uh depth of players without a no transcendent superstars i will be thoroughly shocked if the red wings are not in the bottom 10 next year so they are still very much in the shane Wright conversation draft lottery odds dictate yeah it's probably not happening it's possible, and I, I've mentioned this before, but a lot, a lot has to go right. All your key prospects have to hit, and a couple have to exceed expectations. So, 
you know, Lucas Raymond can't be close to Mitch Marner. He would have to be Mitch Marner. Mo Sider can't be the Red Wings' number one defenseman. He needs to be a top 10 defenseman in the league. Like, those type of expectations have to be exceeded by at least a couple guys if you're even going to have a shot. Kyle Hashman says, Spencer Knight, uh, what does this do to Florida? Bob and his absurd contract might might be too much to take for the duration, but it's even worse for Florida. How can Florida move him and what would Detroit be asking? So what this does for Florida is that means they have to let go of a great goalie like Drieger, unfortunately. And what I think they have to do is swallow the Bobrovsky contract for at least a few more years and or, and I more heavily towards the and side here, be prepared to pay a lot to dump him. A lot of money. There's a reason Carey Price has not moved. Nothing is going to happen with Bobrovsky till Spencer Knight's ELC expires because they have no reason to. As good as Spencer Knight is, will be, and etc., he's still not a guarantee. This is a player I would bet money on right now, but you want to have at least some insurance for his first couple seasons. And since you Already have Sergei Bobrovsky on a basically unmovable contract here. That situation at least resolves itself for the next couple of years. When Spencer Knight is due a raise and Bobrovsky will have three or four years left on his contract at that point, I think that's when we're going to start seeing the buyout talk, the trade talk, the how big of a sweetener would Florida have to add to get rid of it talk. So it's coming, just not soon. Um, as we say this, lightning are up with two minutes and 45 seconds left in the third. Panthers uh, have an empty net down three goals to none. So safe to say Tampa will be moving on here. Number one, Steve Ott fan says, hey, Stephen A. Smith, stick to basketball, LOL. I said as I continue to bitch about every single game starting at 7 p.m. Eastern day after day because the NHL isn't popular enough to have multiple time slots on any given night and no big name talking heads. Talk about the NHL except for Stephen A. Smith, who shouldn't talk about it because I'm dumb. Also, I really like Fabian Lysel, and I hope we draft him. So the funny subtext, which number one Steve Ott fan is trying to say, is even though Stephen A. Smith's take was objectively wrong, it is a great thing for Steve, for people like Stephen A. Smith to be talking about hockey. Stephen A. Smith had that rant, and you know it was objectively wrong, but I loved it. Because I would rather have people's wrong opinions be Connor McDavid should score a 1,000 goals rather than, you know, an unnamed journalist, because I'm, I'm not going to you know, use this platform to drag him down any further than he dragged himself down, saying that Alex Ovechkin shouldn't be trying to score so many goals, which was. That's a top. That was a top five dumb article I've ever seen in the hockey world. And I've Th- seen hundreds of dumb articles. That's why. And, and people were surprised. They were asking me, like, why do you like the Stephen A. Smith thing? I was like. A, it's entertaining. B, it's hilarious. C, he has a massive audience and the people like Stephen A. Smith who have a massive audience are going to bring those people to watch the NHL and ESPN with lead analyst Wayne Gretzky. Everyone knows Wayne Gretzky's names. That's good. Not people writing articles about the greatest goal scorer of all time being wrong for scoring goals. It's just stupid. Anyways, Brad gave you enough words on this earlier. Yeah, that that hit my trigger point. But here's the perfect example of why Stephen A. Smith doing this is a good thing. If you are sitting there right now and you've talked to someone about Stephen A. Smith's rant or you watched Stephen A. Smith's rant today, it worked. It worked. 
Exactly. And think of how many basketball fans who are open to watching other sports are talking about it. Think of how many football fans who are open to watching other sports are talking about it. I started watching Formula One because there was no hockey on at the time. I love sports uh, and I wanted something else. And you know what got me watching it? The Netflix Drive to Survive series. Ask the diehard Formula One fans. They hate that series because they think it's it's over-dramatized and it's not reflective of the sport like in, entirely and they're wrong for hating it because it's bring it's brought the most people into a sport i've ever seen for any other publicity display I, like in, in pro sports that was a terribly phrased sentence but you know what i'm trying to say always just remember to break it down to the bare bones of this anytime we have conversations like this hockey is a game that is there for no other reason than our entertainment Matt S says, I can't think of anything to ask or say. Damn Wednesdays. Keep up the good word work dub dub crew. Thank you, Matt. Mark Burnham says, sup boys been a while. Uh, thoughts on bringing in Chara short term for extra leadership and mentorship and another big boy and back that and all of the Red Wings legends of Dino Chara jokes. Look, I love that idea purely to play in with Mo Sider. I wanted yes, it last please. season. I would love it this season. By all rights, I think Chara is chasing some more cups right now, so I don't know if he'd do it. But if Stevie wanted to give him an extra generous contract and say, hey, you're going to be integral in this kit in shaping the future of this team's defensive star, he might go for it. Duncan Cooper says, hey, guys, I feel myself conflicted. Uh, I feel myself headed towards a, an Avs bandwagon and I've got to say I'm conflicted fight night at the Joe's one of my first sports memories. And now I don't know if I'm ready to move on. I've always loved their color combo and loved Denver for a spell all the while being a staunch Red Wings defender. Any thoughts on swallowing your pride to cheer for an exciting hockey team? Should I, should I be ashamed? <sighs> not, not at this point, the, everybody who is involved in the rivalry, doesn't play for the teams anymore. They don't play in the same conference anymore. I mean, Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr are fun as hell. Uh, just because I'm a Kitchener Rangers fan, I will always have an ever-dying love for Gabe Landeskog. So watching him succeed makes me happy. Am I like ever going to fully invest in an Avs bandwagon? I don't think I can, but I'm certainly not at the point of rooting against them. My staunch pettiness says no. But I understand not everyone has that level of pettiness. Um, at least appreciate the good players on the team. Alec Kenny says, hey, boys, as I'm watching the Toronto-Montreal series, I can't tell if Montreal is just mediocre or if Toronto is exceptionally great aside from the first game. Um, as someone who hates the Leafs, I'm wondering how far you think they'll go and who might eliminate them. I think Winnipeg might give them some trouble. Winnipeg always gives the Leafs trouble. Then again, Winnipeg couldn't even sniff the Oilers this year and we all know how that ended so I I really don't know Montreal's not a good hockey team and I've been banging that drum all year so I didn't think they'd give the Leafs much trouble and so far they haven't that actually we didn't talk about it earlier that series has sucked that's the worst series in the first round there has been no entertainment in that it, it has been boring hockey not particularly great games just the one every drum was being beaten for before the playoffs has been the biggest disappointment. Because Montreal's not a good team. Send no, tweet. Montreal's terrible. Um, I think Winnipeg has enough guns 
to keep De- uh, Detroit to keep Toronto's defense honest and to really see what Jack Campbell is made out of. That being said, if they play each other, I'm probably going to predict Toronto to win this series, but I do think that could be a close series. Alan Snyder says, can you spend some time on Stanislav Stanislav Svozel? Maybe a profile in the future if you've seen enough or if you have an an opinion now. I think he'd be a good value at the top of the second for us. I like him. He doesn't excite me. Um, I don't see enough upside in his game to warrant a first-round pick. I'm not a big fan of drafting a guy who you expect to be a depth defenseman unless you're pretty late in the draft. I haven't completely – there could be something more there. The tools are there. I just haven't seen much dynamic ability from him is probably the word I'm looking for. So, maybe maybe in the mid to late second round, I'd start to look at him. Canceler podcast says, good day, dud duds. It seems you've escaped the great canceling of 2021. Yes, Rowan is the one who ended – wings for breakfast uh it was close but you ran second and now because of my overarching powers there's one less competitor competitor in the space this is the part where you thank me for being so magnanimous yeah we do owe him our thanks it very easily could have been us and i know evan would have loved that so appreciate it rowan um Shifting to the playoffs that are really only being played to determine the draft seeding of picks, the Red Wings own, I'd like to point out that the Wings had as many playoff wins this season as McDavid without the fanfare of 100 plus points in a shortened year, which was for nothing in the end. Anyways, thanks Bear Team and Airplane Team for their assistance thus far. Surely I cannot be the only one enjoying the shot and fruit cup, a la, or aka Les Frenchies versus the 1967s. All we collectively want is total heartbreak for one of them this round and other the next. Perfectly put. For the smugness of Montreal fans who didn't really recognize the frailty of what they'd built up, it is kind of satisfying to see them trounced. That said, I will be rooting for Winnipeg in the next round. (laughs) Oh, a thousand percent. And do you know, like, I, I dislike the Leafs. I will root against them in every series they're in, but I am... Loving watching the inner conflict of every Boomer Leafs fan. Watch William Nylander absolutely thrive oh, in the playoffs. Incredible. It's art. It's yeah. art. Like, love it. Um, In honor of Ron McLean, what would each of you test positive for? Oh, uh, one to do beers at any time in my system, for sure. <laughs> Thanks, quarantine. Whatever the hormone is that accompanies complete and utter exhaustion. Uh, I don't know, even know what the format is. So, what would he t- test positive for? Bogies, apparently. Yeah, lots of those. Um, jersey time. What has been the best jersey matchup in the first round? Hashtag stay fresh cheese bags. Oh, what has been the best jersey matchup in the first round? I've got two really good candidates off the top of my head. I just got to make sure that there's none better. No, I'm going to go either Vegas, Minnesota, or Colorado, St. Louis. Mine was Vegas, call, uh, call, uh, pff, Vegas, Minnesota. You are absolutely right, Brad, that it's one of those two series. I'll go Vegas, Minnesota. Yeah. That's the one I was leaning towards. Ruthless and Toothless says, do you think super rich athletes play the lottery? Uh, I'm sure it's happened. They play a little lottery you and I don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> 
AJ Voss says, it's been a while since I've commented. Uh, in the last few weeks, I graduated college and found a job with great benefits. The ceremony was virtual, which ended up being awesome since my mom arranged for Ken Daniels to be one of the speakers via Cameo. To celebrate getting the job, I went to Game 5 of the NASCAR series last night where I got to see Nate Nas- Nashville, Carolina, where I got to see Nate Chash uh, score two goals and get the first star of the game in person. Thanks, Tyler Wright. It's not like a player like that would have been useful during the rebuild or anything. Well, aside from the sad ending, AJ, congratulations. That is huge. Um, kudos to you, man. Antonio. Oh, man. Nate Chash makes me so sad. Antonio Gracias. It's best to not talk about it. Says, sitting here watching the New York crowd go wild as the Isles win their first playoff series since 93. And I got to say, I wish I was there. What historic or current playoff series win, not for the cup, do you wish you were in the crowd for? Game seven, Colorado 2002, bar none for me. Wait. The Islanders have won like three playoff series over the last couple of years. Oh, I didn't say it. Antonio said it. Maybe, maybe he was talking about that series. Anyways, um, yeah, O two Colorado is a good one. I, I couldn't not pick Game Four in '97 against Philly, though. First Cup in a billion years. McCarty scores that goal. Like, I there's no other game I could pick. There's no way. Um, I, I'll take any winning Red Wings winning cup game. Cup game that was poor English. Well, you know what I mean. Well, the only two in our lifetime they won on home ice was '97 and oh, I don't even care if it was at home. I'll take any. Okay, fair. Well, uh, Antonio's stipulation was that it's not for the cup, so you both lose. Oh, uh, I, whatever. Stay Fresh Cheese Bag says, hey there, fellows. Ryan, don't make fun of Brad for saying he's vaxxed and waxed. I had a two-for-one coupon. We got matching lightning bolts. Besides, science has proven that getting vaxxed is fun and all the cool kids are doing it. Hashtag Munchbox Crew. You guys are off the fucking rails. Uh, This is our most unhinged episode overall. (laughs) Revisiting a previously discussed topic after leading the Red Wings in scoring, should Stevie Y trade Hronik now that his value is arguably at its highest? If they're not going to put him on the left half wall in the power play, then shouldn't he be swapped for Nolan Patrick or mid to late first? Any other viable targets you'd like? His value is not high after that season. I'd argue his value would be at its highest if he has a rebound season. So Yeah, yeah. now is not the time. Although if someone wants to overpay like Anthony Mantha, you know. Hey, if the Red Wings take like hypothetically Brant Clark or another top end defenseman in the top 10 here, I, I will absolutely listen on trading Hronik. I don't think they're in a position they really can yet but even if they were yeah i wouldn't do it now um are you fan of Stephen a smith's outsider approach to nhl reporting so far we chatted about that and remember pierre mcguire wakes up every morning and chooses violence pierre mcguire wakes up every morning and chooses anyways aussie for hall of fame stay fresh cheese bags that's all we have time for today we are going to be back with you guys on sunday uh thank you all for tuning in um lots of exciting stuff to come we have some great news some really exciting news we'd love to announce to you guys now but it'll have to wait a little bit um thank you all so much for all of your support uh, again another shout out to our friends max and prashant over at the athletic detroit for running a great show um yeah wanted to uh thank all of our name level sponsors on patreon arjun shanker eves bartels on behalf of the sarah grand foundation eves chatted with steve eisman recently which is very cool 
Uh, Brett Bailey, Terry, driver of Evans Furkwagen, Taylor Tagel, Brandon M, Citizen High Five, Craig Kibble, Greach, Hanali, Hassam Al Qasem, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Jeremiah Dobo, Joe Santangelo, Kaylin Wood, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Kyle McClure, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Something Normal for Once, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam, I wish I could finish like Ernie, another former junior goalie turned golfer, Antonio Gracias, Calder and Jennings award-winning goalie in the 06-07 season of NHL 2K6, number 69, Spencer Hardy. Cautious, cautiously pessimistic, fine, Crisco, not betting on it. <laughs> Connor Leighton, Evans Bingo Card, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Joseph Minima, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, as good as it gets, Stan Olson, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Trevor Pevavar. Thank you all so very much. We'll see you in a few days. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.